I'm the executive pastor here, so I'm the one that makes the wheels on the bus go typing? around. Yeah. yeah. So the vision, the ideas, the plans, the destiny, all of that stuff, I am the one who moves it forward. I'm the one that leans into it and causes it to roll. So um, I spin a lot of plates, um, and I certainly have an independent in our leaders as well to make sure it goes forward. So the uh, last two years, I wanted to teach, and I got sidetracked with some other things. She's just went to the bathroom. She'll come back now. I want to celebrate you because there's Kester on the stage this morning in teaching form. And so I just want to celebrate you. I want to tell you thank you. I want to clap for you. I want to tell you thank you for being here. Thank you for making sure Thank you for all the selfless service that you've done for those children that didn't get thanked. Thank you for the sleepless nights. For the times that you spent your money on us, uh, for the kind words when things weren't even supposed to shift, for when, when we as kids we were in raw form, and yet you saw what was raw and you called forth something and you spoke destiny over our lives. So I just want to thank you for doing that. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Um, motherhood is not celebrated enough and valued, and it's a, it's a it's a it's a weighty calling. And uh, it's a forever calling, and uh, it's a thankless calling at times. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, too. Uh, so I just want to thank you. So you can sit back down. Uh, I'm just going to open in prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come with great strength. I know you have something for all of your daughters. I know your sons are here today, too. But I know, Holy Spirit, you want to talk specifically to your ladies, and you want to speak into feminine form. And so my sisters need to hear something powerful from you this morning. And so, Father, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come right now and empower these words with your spirit. I just want to break off, Lord, any kind of, um, I feel, Holy Spirit, that you're telling me to pray over the eyes and the ears of your daughters. I pray right now over the eyes that can't see you clearly. Father, where there's been a haze because of unbelief, where there's been a haze of, um, of deception, where there's been false belief systems and lies from the enemy that has caused your daughters to be bound and taken away. Holy Spirit, you are the great ransom. You are the redeemer. And so, Lord, I pray over them right now. I command ears that cannot hear you fully to open up once again. Ears that have been plugged from generational things of what mom and dad said over them, of things that someone else put on them, maybe culture spoke over them, of being too much or always being too little or never enough. Lord, I just break that off of your daughters this morning. They are treasured and they are beloved of you. You are their heavenly father and they are empowered for tremendous, great, supernatural, destiny and purposes and plans. You have all of that for them. And it's come in feminine form. And so Lord, I just release that over your daughters. 
And Lord, I say to the hearts of unbelief that have a hardness on them and the callousness of years of waiting, I command those calluses to come off in Jesus' name. And the bindings of hearts that have uh, felt cold and numb and unable to receive because of unbelief, I command them to live. And I break off those scales in Jesus' name off of those hearts that are hard and have become unbelieving to, plant, to promises of God, to promises of God, to things that are true for their lives and are for them specifically. So I break that right now, and I lose the liberating power of the Spirit with freedom in this room. Father, these words are so much more than words on the page that have to be breathed by your Spirit. So Lord, we open ourselves fresh and new, and we want to see things with new eyes, with new ears, and hearts that are hungry. Lord, for those that are hungry, for more of you, or they haven't felt hungry, Lord, I pray that you would give desire you would birth desire in them once again to be hungry for you. And um, God, for those that are hungry and they know they're hungry, I pray, Lord, as your promise says, that you will fill their mouths uh, as they open them wide. So I just release that over this room in Jesus' name. All right. So I'm going to take you on a little bit broader place than um, motherhood. Um, I feel that as you know, our feminine, we are women, and I feel that in feminine form, sometimes we only see our identity through being a mother or through having children um, and being a mother. And so I want, this morning, I want to challenge you just to touch. I'm going to ask you to go a little further with me and to be a little bit more open with where God is calling you in chapters of your life. So I'm going to put some challenge towards, to you. So I want to have you move beyond cultural things. I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit this week, what are the cultural bondages? What are the um, family dynamics of my past? What are the generational stuff that I took forward into my life now that has caused me to be limited in the spirit? What are the self-imposed things that I, as a daughter of the Most High, have placed upon myself? What are those places, Lord? What are those things that are holding me back, that are keeping me from permeating all areas of my life with dunamis power that you've given to me in a, in a, a gender-neutral uh, way. Uh, it's gender-neutral power to get there, too. So um, Genesis, uh, so I want to empower you to a life of the Spirit. Genesis 2.18 says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Okay, helper that compares, equally aiding strength that orbits and assists. And the word woman means man with a womb. And at first I thought, this is just a guy writing this area, and it's just everything's in masculine form, so it just must be a guy that wrote man with a womb. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, and he told me, no, I wrote that that way because that is equality uh, uh, that is equality of humanity. It's humankind. It's not really even mankind, it's humankind. So there's an equality that I gave woman a wound, but there's an equality that we were created in the same likeness and image of God. I think that's really powerful. 
Because oftentimes we think we're only orbiting our husband or orbiting Jesus waiting for our husband or we're orbiting Jesus waiting for some kids or we're orbiting Jesus hoping that he'll give us an opportunity of something and we live in these constrained forms or boxes that are not the calling and plan of God for your life. They are not. They are a natural limitation. They are a man-made form limitation. They are a cultural or social limitation or a misunderstood biblical uh, uh, limitation that has been placed on you. And that is not the will of your father for you. You are a daughter. You are co-equal in Christ. You are co-heir. You are with Jesus. You're not even co-heir to your husband or co-heir to, I don't know, your boyfriend. Or you're co-heir with Christ. Your heir that you're sitting next to is Jesus. You're co-heir with him. You're all by your lonesome, and you're co-heir with Christ. And you're empowered fully with dunamis power for every work in this lifetime, in this life. Every chapter, every phase, every plan, every need, every situation, every job, all of it. You are empowered for that as a daughter, as a co-heir in Christ. So, I really liked, so I really liked the Genesis 2.18, I, 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 I really like this Psalm 46. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. And when God is declaring who a woman is, the word helper, it seems almost like a helper comparable to him. Like you're needing a husband or that you're needing a man, but the actual intention if what would give it, when you have a man, there is a, there is a comparability and there is a complementarianism that comes together in the oneness of marriage, and that word oneness is a hot. So there's a, a complementarian thing of strength that comes from the bulk of you becoming one. I really feel, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more um, on Saturday in regards to our identity as women and understanding our femininity with the concept of how Jesus meant it to be and how God the Father passed the curse, passed the restrictions of sin or the bondage of sin, what was the intent of feminine? What, what is the vast broadness, what is the freedom and the liberty
So, but this word, help, is one of my favorite words because I've always tried to understand, Lord, what is a healthy line? Oh my goodness, and some churches tell me it's take care of your husband, be really submissive, do whatever he tells you to, don't share your opinion much, keep, you know, just be a really servant-oriented woman. That's how you show the glory of God through you. And so I want to do that, and then I find, wow, that doesn't totally fit for me. I, I feel smart, and I feel intelligent, and I have things to contribute, and I have a voice to release, and I have a calling that was given to me even before I married heaven. So what does that look like? I'm, I'm, I'm now a wife. Am I just relegated to the container that maybe this relationship is putting me in? And so I really struggled with what does that look like? What does your glory reveal look like for me? And what is that for my life? And what if this relationship in this season of 27 years, what if he's not seeming, we're not on the same page? And what does all of that look like for me as your daughter and as your called one and sent one? And so I really wrestled with it and helped me. I struggled with it at times. But if you look at this, the most beautiful, I love this. In Psalm 46, the only other time that it talks about helper is in Psalm 46. And it's, it's, the word is Ezer Kenegdigo. And it's, it's a characteristic of God himself. Like when you see God my refuge, God my strength, the word my banner, the word my peace. And there's different names that God will say, this is who I am. I declare I am the healer. I declare I am the provider. I declare that I am your restorer. I declare on peace, on victory, on your battle, on your strength. All of those names are all different. This one is a special one. And this is an actual attribute of the Lord that he is declaring himself of who he is. And it's only used one other time, and that's in Genesis 2.18, and it's this word helper. And so this story is... Uh, Israel was always getting himself in big trouble. And like us, we're always getting, you know, we're natural minded, we think we're doing good, we have sincere hearts, and then serving Jesus, and then we whack into a, a building or run into something and trip and fall on our face and totally miss God and find ourselves in such a situation where we are literally surrounded by enemies. Uh, they're too strong for us, much too strong. And maybe we even have a couple camps that are camps around the bottom. So maybe there's a couple of things. And in this situation in Psalm 46, um, Jehoshaphat was the one that was the righteous one. And he began to call unto God because Israel was surrounded and about to be devoured. And I think it's the king of Amnon that was the um, king that was involved in this. But it was a really bad situation. They had ran out, thought they were with God, ran out, they thought they had God, and they ran out and they were surrounded and they were about to be devoured. And I didn't think they were crying out to God. Israel, I don't even think at this time was crying out to God, but there was one, and his name is Jehoshaphat, and he cried out to God, and, and God said, Because of my man, Jehoshaphat, I will deliver you. And the Lord swooped in like the war, uh, the three day war of Israel, becoming a nation, something like that. Something that could not be seen or conceived in any other way but a supernatural deliverance of God, of, of, of their God showing up for them. And so the Lord swooped in in the situation that they had led themselves out to 
and he delivered them with he aided and assisted them and delivered them with great strength in time of war. And that is the other time, that is the only other time where that word, Ezra and Nebuchadnezzar, is being used. So help me turns into something very interesting and morphs into something extremely powerful and uh, uh, extremely powerful and unique to the feminine, which I love. Because we're a man with a woman, we're a human, another human is what we happen to have a woman, which is there's something there of validation with the Lord in the intellect and in the passions and the desires. Where our passions are centered are different for each woman. But if all of us ladies were to talk about how we lead or how we raise our kids or what we feel called to or what fulfills us with our life, we're going to get it. It's going to be all over the map in the same for men. So, uh, so the the word Ezra is equal eating strength that orbits and assists. It's an abiding strength from God that's given uniquely to women. And what it means is when we have this ability to orbit with great strength, that we are able to change through movement and through influence whatever atmosphere or circumstance or plan that we're in. That can be our husband, even though our husband wants to change, that can be our lack of a husband, whatever it is, we are able to orbit the king. I also want to say that the validating factor for us as women is not uh, the necessary birthing of children. And I'm going to get to that too. Go ahead, change my slide. Thanks, Stella. So good. I feel the estrogen. I'm going to try. For the men, I feel the estrogen. Do you feel the estrogen? For the men in the round, I just want you to know I'm going to try to find some really good example for you that's like masculine. And I was thinking about it last night. Lord, how do we give an example of sports? Or how do we say something male that would be funny? And I couldn't come up with anything, which is kind of funny because I'm like, well, I funny things. I really want to tie guys in. And the only thing I could come up with is um, Jesus was a man. So, so just know. Jesus was a man. So I'm going to give you some credit. I'm going to give you some street credit. When I say Jesus, I'm going to go, Jesus was a man. Yeah! All right. So we are called women, which is man with a woman. We're equal. And Jesus nowhere, never, never and nowhere viewed woman as less than equal. In the time that Jesus of the New Testament the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. It is not an abolishment of the Old Testament. It is a fulfillment of the covenant and what was started in the Old Testament. It is, it is finished through the New Testament. And what it's doing is it's finishing the complete work that the Old Testament could not do because Jesus had not come and paid the ultimate price for sin, hell, death, and the grave. Okay, so you're going to see things in the Old Testament with feminine, with women, that were not the intention of God, but the bondage that came in was because of the curse of Genesis, and it was because of uh, sinful hearts, um, it was because of not having the Holy Spirit in us. You know, back in the Old Testament, we take it so for granted uh, that we take it so for granted having the Holy Spirit speaking to us. 
uh, in the Old Testament, one person or a few people got anointed or appointed for that calling. They were the king, they were anointed, they were the prophet, they were anointed, they were the priest, they were anointed. And the Spirit of God would come upon that person for that calling, and he let everybody else. And the rest of us Romanians heard nothing. The Spirit of God didn't speak to us. Because we didn't have Jesus, and there was no atonement for our sins. So there was only those people that had the Spirit of God. Now when we came into the New Testament, when Jesus came, all of the fragments or the things that weren't completely fulfilled were completed in Jesus and finished in the work. So what that means is the curse of Genesis, where hopefully some of you remember or, or know of it, but there was a curse placed on Adam and Eve for sin. And Eve, her desire would be her husband, and she would have pain in her childbirth. And uh, Adam had a whole other set of, of, of um, uh, costs for his sin. And what happened is all of society began filtered, filtered with sin, the sin nature, and with all of the effects on gender uh, uh, competition, on gender attacks, on, on, on bondage that came, uh, on distortions of our true identity, what the intended plan was for God and, and oneness, what the intended plan for women were, what the intended plan for men. And so all in the Old Testament, you see things that are not finished. They just kind of little spurts. You see Deborah, and she's a, a prophetess, and she steps forth as a judge, and she changes a, a nation, and she changes a situation and leads them to battle. You see JL, who stabs this dude, just, they're, they're going down, and she gets this opportunity, and she runs in this tent like a warrior princess, like Zena, or, you know, the warrior princess, and she stabs this guy, this leader, and ends the entire war with, with, a, with a stake in her face. So you see women that, you see blips throughout the Old Testament of women that are empowered for something, but not fully stepping forth into something. And you see men the same way. You see the struggle, you see the limitation, you see the oppression, you see the, uh, you see the, the lack of empowerment from the Old Testament for both genders. So when you jump forward to the New Testament, you will start to see that Jesus begins to empower everybody. Not just, yes, amen. 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 I'm going to say that again. That's really good. Jesus begins to empower everybody. Everybody. You're not a priest. It's not an issue of being a priest. You're not a rich person with long robes that's known for your piety. You're not the holy, special one that sits in the front row because everybody sees and watches you pray lofty and throw huge amounts of money in this uh, bowl that would make all this claiming because they were so wealthy. So he was like, wow, look at what he gave. So Jesus starts to shift the entire map of how things work, or how things were supposed to be. It was never intended for this to happen to my daughters. It was never intended for this to happen to my sons. It was never intended for people to become full of themselves and think of themselves as just the nation of Israel and no longer reach the Gentiles and walk around their nation like the nation of Samaria and go like a two or three or week long journey past it, which is what they would do. 
oh, you had stuff on us. Those people are, you know, taxis. Those are half breeds. Those people worship the devil, and we can't, we can't be around them. They also did not accept they couldn't set free because the power of sin, hell, and the grave had not been defeated yet. So when Jesus came, everything, all the power of darkness, no longer had its power once the resurrection now So women became free, men became free, and we became empowered to be ministers of the gospel. Changed everything. So, uh, we are supposed to have a complementary relationship. Our nature is to give and to carry life. So, man with a womb, us women, men with a womb, and I'm not encouraging transgenderism. Man with a womb, it's very interesting. Uh, if you look in scripture, so I decided to look it up because a lot of times women do not come to church, they do not have children or are not married, or feel that something has been lost in, uh, in their lives. It's often they don't come to church on Mother's Day because they, rather than feel uh, validated in their femininity, they will not come because they feel that something has been better held from them. So when, and that bothers me because I don't like it when anyone's left out of anything because I, I don't believe that's the complete concept of what Jesus was meaning. I do not think the original intent of God the Heavenly Father who made us co-heirs who said you were equals, who said we were just as smart and just as called and just as empowered, would leave us just in taking care of babies and say that if you don't have babies, you're not fulfilled. If you don't get married, you're not fulfilled. I don't believe that that was the original intent of, of the heart of the Father. I believe that is, it is his heart, God's heart, towards his people to experience relationship like he has relationship with the Trinity. Like he has an interwoven, which is aha and oneness. That's what marriage is called. The oneness of marriage is called aha. So that oneness, that inter intertwined um, love and connectedness, is the original intent of God's design. But without it, it does not mean you are not fulfilled in your femininity. So I really wanted to set ladies free and set myself free. So, um, so that means we have to get the baby factory mentality out. We have to remove that a bit for ourselves as women. What do I mean by that? There are 990 times the word womb is used. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more on Saturday because I really like the broadness of Jesus. I like what the life of the Spirit, I like the power of the Spirit, the New Testament power, the resurrection, the newness power gave us. And that was to literally change the world in whatever form we are, whatever age. Not only is doing this power gender neutral, doing this power is age neutral. So you can be 80 years old and just walking with the Lord and begin to walk in doing this power when Jesus came in the New Testament. You can be five years old and walk in the same doing this power that Jesus gave in the New Testament to his people when he commissioned us. You can walk in the same power as a five-year-old in healing power that a grown, I'm grown, I'm grown, so because I'm grown, children will think, oh, you're not as, they're not as powerful, or I might think, and that's not true. They understand the concept of power, and that it's accessible to them, because Jesus gave it to them, they can walk in that same power. So Jesus changed everything. He shook it all up. It didn't matter to Jesus. Uh, it didn't matter to Jesus, because in the Old Testament, if uh, you got yourself in a screwed up mess and you had yourself a child, you were saved. 
you, they would cast you to the wayside, you'd become a prostitute. They wouldn't let you work, they wouldn't hire you, but you could work. So the only thing you could do was prostitute yourself all of these lives. So they would treat you as outscouring because they had a bunch of laws, so therefore when you broke the law, you were judged and you were now condemned and you were sequestered and treated much less than everybody else. And that was never God's intentional design. He never intended that. That was never his plan. So it was never his plan to uh, cause women to turn into something that was property, or women to serve it turn into something that was owned, or for women not to own property, or for women to not do business, and women to not create all of these uh, life-generating uh, things within their lives that were very fruitful and multiplying of um, their faith and multiplying of their abilities. It was never God's intention. But it's what happened. And the law always kills, and the spirit always gives life. And so for us as believers and New Testament believers, we want a perfect law of liberty. And we want to come into the awakening of all that the Lord has for us as his daughters and his sons, because Jesus is in him. <laughs> I forgot it. I had it in one spot. I knew it. I knew it. I Okay, so 990 times the word for womb is used. 990 times. It is not always used for birthing children. It's really nice. I think it's really nice. Because that means I'm not just like, you know, baby factory. Like, I really have smart things. I have uh, empowerment of ideas and creative things and pulses and plans and strategies. And, and I can just take off like a rocket if I want to. And I can be something. Uh, and, and for me, when I first came to Christ, that uh, some of the denominations that I were first part of, and I think we're in awakenings of, of truth. I do believe we're in awakenings of, of discernment to truth. But I was good. And I was told that you know you need to be a submissive wife and you need to do what your husband wants you to do. And what does your husband want you to do? Well, that's what you're gonna do. And you need to be more quiet. And you need to take care of babies in the children's ministry, and you just need to serve the kids, and you can minister women. And I was really offended by that because I don't feel that was the original intent of my design. And so I had to really wrestle with what Jesus is helping. What is that? What is a woman? And is it just having kids? If I don't have any, am I every bit feminine? Am I every bit of a strong woman empowered with greatness and uh, plans and destiny as, as men who are not having children or maybe chose not to have kids or it just didn't work out and I never got married. Is, is my only fulfillment to chase a bunch of guys down and put a ring on my finger? You know, what is it? You know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in the zombie, you know, or something. I just really wrestled with it because I felt that even before I met my husband 27 years ago when I got married, that I felt that I had calling that had been validated by Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, to do works of God before he ever even wanted to take me. So, you know, so it must mean that I had something for me all by me self, you know? I had to. I had to. So that what I had to look for what is the shift. And I would hear this Old Testament stories and look, they're really most they're more demure and they're not pressing forward and they're not ministering and they're really just turned to the house. And being turned to the house, I find 
find tremendous uh, validation from loving my husband. I find tremendous validation from cooking. I find tremendous validation from the home. But I do not believe it's my soul validating point. Creation for that. Um, and so the Old Testament caused me to struggle. And when I started to realize that Jesus was the great liberator, I became empowered to see myself outside of gender purpose. So, in this 990 times, the word for the womb is used. And there is womb of the body, okay, we know that, ladies, we know, we know, we deal with it once in a month, we know. So, womb of the body, womb of the spirit, womb of the mind, and womb of the dawn. And there's more. And they're, and they're all the same, but they're used differently. And I'm going to talk about that more on Saturday, because I think there's very powerful things to unpack for that. Womb of the dawn is calling things forth, calling things that are not as though they are. And we're the, we're, women are considered like an influencing force, uh, like in the Trinity, they say, um, I don't know who she says it, but somebody, they, they, she say they said it, that God the Father represents an authority figure, and the Holy Spirit is, is likened to the influencing power of a woman. Uh, where women are a little less uh, forward in some of the ways that they are, and there's an influencing voice of women. And so I thought that was really good. I like that. I like the things that cause us to broaden and be diverse. So, of these wounds calling forth the dawn, the womb of the mind, the womb of the spirit, these are all the same word. So that means there's something conceptual, uh, concept that the Holy Spirit has for us in great uniqueness. And uh, and it's more than just our motherhood. Alright, change it for me again. Alright, biblical ideals that we have for ourselves. We have biblical ideas, ideals. Um, I've shared that they're good. Not all of our ideals in this life are going to be uh, come forth. We may not marry. We may not have children. We may get married and not have children. We may get married to a good Christian guy that turns into a freak and we divorce him. <laughs> and you men may get the same thing. We may do the same. You do not know some of the circumstances that you will face in, in this life because we deal with flesh and blood. We have natural mindedness with ourselves. We make poor choices when we're making choices. And we find ourselves outside of our biblical ideals sometimes. So it's our desire, but it's not always what happens. So does that mean we are validated by the lack of that? Are we validated? And are we limited now by those lacks? That's my question. So the other thing that we wrestle with is self-imposed limitations, which I prayed that a little bit because I really wanted to broaden because I know that like when people sometimes, I used to get a little annoyed when I sit in the room with a women uh, something and there's no women and they're not talk, they're not saying the broadness of women is, so it starts to itch at me. So I would have the self-imposed limitations that someone put on me, and then I would put it on myself, and it became mine, and I owned it. It hid in my heart. I bought a tree to grow forth from it. It was a nice seed through this big tree, and I became this like really um, wallflower, and started to feel like I would die inside because I was not being all I was supposed to be. So there's self-imposed limitations statistically. With evangelical Christians, 80% of you are going to marry. 30% of you 
are going to divorce. 30% of all women will never have children. 30%. Women who have had children will spend 50% of their adult life without their kids. I think that's empowering. Because what that means is that womb is supposed to give forth other things. There has to be a different meaning because the life that we live doesn't even encompass the kiddos that much. It's a very limited if we have them. So there has to be more room to us than just what we have perceived it to be. And we are called to bring forth more. I'm going to talk about that on Saturday. So many of our ideals will not be fulfilled, and what do we do with that? Go ahead and change my slide. So many of our ideas, ideals, and some of them are very good, and some of them are very sincere, but they will not be fulfilled. It just happens. Sin, uh, sin, uh, hell, the grave, fallen man, fallen world, all of those things will press in, and there will be some losses or unexpected, un, uh, unfulfilled uh, desires that we have. So what do we do with that? As I said with the Old Testament, the Old Testament, because it did not have the Spirit of God uh, upon every woman, every man, every child that was readily available, that they could receive it without limit and have it. The Old Testament, you will see that women are only flashing in the Old Testament with doing things. Men are only flashing too. Men get a little bit more credit in the Old Testament of accomplishing things, but men, um, men get a little more credit they're only, they're both only flashing. There's just names, whatever, I mean, 20 names that accomplished great things for God in, in, in the Old Testament. And the reason is because, in my humble opinion, is because the Holy Spirit had not come in the life of the Spirit that we had been empowered to. Generous power, which is gender neutral, and age neutral as well, had not been given to us yet. And we were not all made ministers. So, Women in scripture are powerful and influential. They always, the intention of God was always to be powerful and influential within their circles, their oikosis of influence. That's what the word means, your circle of influence. Um, so they were always intended to have uh, influence with family, culture, business, and kingdom purpose. That was the, that is God's desire for men and women to uh, change the world. It was God's desire for Israel to change the pagan nations around them. But Israel became restricted with themselves and said, no, we're the set-apart ones. We're not going to go to Samaria. We're not going to let these people in. They're a little dirty and messy and stained to us, so we're not going to do that. And they segregated themselves. And it was never the original design of God that he highlighted them and made them a lamp on a, on a hill, a light on a hill that they might reflect uh, who God is and draw the nations to them. They would keep the word pure and draw all of the pagan nations, but they didn't. They became, they felt that they were better than everybody else, which is the sin nature in the heart of humankind. So, but his original intent was for us to be empowered. So, I want you to feel and I want to challenge you that. The Holy Spirit to see with fresh eyes and fresh ears and a fresh heart that's willing to receive new concepts of the Holy Spirit for your life. Because you'll be given the Holy Spirit without measure. 
So in Galatians 3.28, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, which Old Testament was Jew, or this chosen ones, or the chosen. They're still saying that. It's great. But what were you chosen for? You know, what was your purpose? You were chosen. But what were you chosen for? Is it to be special? Or is it to integrate into culture and turn their hearts to the creator? So now, when Jesus came, he changed everything. So when Jesus came, he changed the entire facet of how things were done. So what that means is all of the Old Testament stuff that wasn't ordained for people, men and women, he changed it. For instance, he didn't want them looking lofty by throwing things in the, in the giving bowl and looking influential and not having a heart that was the Lord's. Uh, he didn't want women segregated and diminished in such demeaning ways. He didn't want a court of, uh, of women. The original intent of the temple was to have a court of Gentiles. It was never supposed to have a court of women. But some very well-meaning people, you know, kind of like not letting priests marry, came up with a good idea and said, this is how you're going to put, this is, this is better. We're going to put the women over here, and this is going to help everything. So there was a whole bunch of stuff that was done to men and women that was never the intention by the priests, by each other, by whatever restrictions on, that were placed on them from the curse. So they came up with bright ideas, and everything changed, and women were not holding up own property. There was a lot of restrictions that were on women. And women were treated as second class, and almost were treated like they were property. And if you look at other cultures, there's a lot of other cultures that are doing that, and it's because of the bondage of sin, and sin in men and women's hearts. And every time there's absolute power, there's always absolute corruption, because man's heart must be checked by something. So, when we go to the New Testament, Jesus just shows up and he like rolls hard on the street. He's like, you, prostitute, come with me. I'm going to set you free from those devils. Come on, you're my posse. You over there, you single woman that no one's noticed without you. You, you're rolling in my posse. You know what? You're going to travel with me. And women were allowed to travel with men. You were not. Women were not, not, you were not to be out with another man unless it was your husband. Which, again, it's not in scripture. So Jesus said, you know what? All y'all girls, you just come with me, you can minister with me. I'm going to teach you how to uh, uh, encapsulate the gospel. I'm going to teach you to walk in power. And I want you to minister. I'm going to commission you for it. So Jesus turned all of it upside down, and they had a big problem. And they're like, wait a second. You're not fasting. You've got women traveling with you that are of a seedy background. You know, what's going on here? Why do you, who do you think you are? But Jesus' intent was to make things the way they were supposed to and to rewrite. So his New Testament was to complete or to finish the work of the Old Testament. So everybody started running, rushing to Jesus. And we have women here, uh, like Chloe and Lydia. And Lydia was a, uh, Lydia was a merchant woman who was a uh, dyer. Uh, she dyed and worked in a garment of purple. She was a seller of purple fabric. And it was very prestigious, and purple represents authority. And she is said to have um, actually be um, the person that was the catalyzer of the Philippian church. Because in the Old Testament, even whenever there was a need for something to start, the women would come together as generators, as multipliers, as amplifiers, and they would pray at the river. They would pray, and then a temple or a tabernacle would start, a temple would start from that prayer. They would gather together. So uh, Lydia was doing exactly that in Philippi. 
and she was by a river, and she was praying. And Paul went down to her, and she was a merchant of fine, uh, of fine garments, of fine purple. And she was a, a big influencer in the city, and she is not, they believe she was not married, and that she was single. And I, it's interesting, I wonder if she was allowed in the church. I wonder if she had to stay in the courts. I wonder what the view of her might have been, you know, to others apart from the view, the unadulterated and pure view of Jesus, the man. So, um, man. so, uh, this is the man, love Jesus. So, uh, Chloe was the same. She was a woman that was doing, started, she came to Christ, she heard the good news, and she decided, you know what? I am single, I'm, I'm without children, and I, they said she is single without children, and she began to start an influencing work within her city of hosting home, uh, home groups to plant churches out there. And her home groups that she started, because she was very influential in the city as well, and she began to gather the leaders of the city to these groups, and they literally began a church, and she, She's attributed to it as well as Lydia. And then there was all these other women of staying backgrounds or not of the high levels, the perceived uh, caste system among these, and they were following Jesus. And he had them traveling, they were working with him. And it's noted that women traveled with Jesus, and they were women of irrefutable uh, stories, of it, irrefutable. And yet Jesus set them free and pushed them forward into, uh, into culture and began to liberate them. So they were being delivered of demons and he was liberating them into culture. So it's very powerful. So Galatians 3.20 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, and there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And I really wonder if that one is a hot, the oneness of the spirit. Um, and so Ephesians 2 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated all in. with us, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children or sons and daughters of God to those who believed in his name. And uh, his purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to rewrite all the wrongs, to recalibrate. So my challenge is to you, ladies, daughters, my sisters, is what is this false belief system, the natural human limitations, self-imposed limitations that you have placed on yourself that is not designed on your father? Is it that you think that you're too much? Is it that you think you're too not enough? Is it that you think you're too all over the map? Is it that you think that you're still missing something with your life? Do you feel like you are still waiting on something like a bus stop to come by? Or do you have everything within yourself to fulfill it if you have dunamis power? The dunamis power that was given by Jesus, which is the resurrection power, uh, the dunamis power that was given by Jesus is gender neutral. It's also age neutral. It was power to raise uh, dead to life. It was to raise res it was resurrection power to bring up that which is dead, those dreams which are gone, those bodies, those little bodies that don't move. It was for the purpose of raising them to life. So if you were to have dunamis power, 
what would that look like? If you were to have that, what would that look like in your femininity if you were given the perfect law of liberty, the law of the spirit? What if you were put under that fresh law and you were not fulfilling yourself through uh, the law of the flesh or the law of the Old Testament, but you saw yourself as fulfillment in the spirit, the law of liberty? What would that look like to you? What if you saw your stained background or your bad mistakes or your not getting it together or your seemingly dull-minded uh, uh, decisions? What if you saw that within this power? What if you saw yourself in power in this chapter that closes, in a chapter that closes in your life of children, and you saw yourself swimming into another chapter of life with a wound that's about to birth something into the dawn? What if you saw that? What if you saw a birthing in the spirit, uh, the womb of the spirit, if you saw that for yourself? What would that look like for you? What would you do differently? How would you raise your kids that's if good. you're a single parent? You're single. And how would you raise your children if you knew that all that you needed was in the dimness? How would you do that? What would be different? What would you do? What would you launch out to? Would you pray a little bit more? Would you pray to something a little bit more? Would you think that you have ideas, creative impulses, words, prophetic words? Here, perhaps to 16, your daughters, your sons shall prophesy. Whisper wave, two feet by four feet. Would you hold the go for it? Is there a false belief system that makes you think that if you hold the go for it, your heavenly father is harsh and will slap you down as you went for it? If you fail five times and embarrass yourself like a fool and somebody needs to find you a diaper, maybe you just make a mess of yourself. Would you think that you're no longer qualified? Would you? Would you think you're no longer qualified to do something? Would you think you no longer bear his name of greatness? What would you do? What would you try? What would you go for? What would you change from unbelief to belief in your life? What would you see in your path? How would you see your path? False belief systems are the greatest unbelief and false belief systems and false mindsets. Lying my mindsets are the greatest travesty to our spirit of life. You have been empowered for greatness. Your you voice is a unique voice that whatever is speaking has to be your voice. If it's one other person, there's one other person's life. Your prophetic voice has the capacity to change future. What would you do? We speak five times, five times as many words to one man. One, two, three. Jesus was a man. That's why he wasn't a woman, because he would talk too much and there wouldn't have been much ministry Because women talk five times uh, as much as men. If they, if they time their words in an hour, we're going to talk five times as much. It's awesome, right? Amen. I bet you believe me when I don't care. Amen. I mean, if I could talk faster a little bit, I would. Because I, would, I, would. Um, I love words. But if that's the case, 
Oh my gosh, Sarah. But there are people that there are dreams that have died in their heart. 
And Talus Stock has forged over it. Talus Stock has forged. And you cannot believe it any longer. You just don't believe that's going to happen. You just think, ah, it's not, it's not true. It's not going to happen for me. That promise isn't going to happen. I'm too messed up. I didn't come. It's not coming. It may not come. So therefore, I'm, I'm less than. I'm saying, so I want to pray for you. No, the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you because a life in the Spirit was what Jesus came to give. He didn't come to a life in the Spirit. We would have just had rules and words on the page. But because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us with unlimited power, we're able to hear Him and be guided by Him and empowered by Him. And He steers everything. Like this hurricane, so because of that, I want to pray and I want to minister a little bit on that. So there are people that feel again that your heart has become hard and unbelief because things were there's stuff that was just taken, there's stuff that was taken from you. And if that is you, I want you to stand up. I really love to stand up. And I think the humility of not worrying about what people think about you and self-consciousness is broken off. It's just like greed is broken off by making yourself jealous. Self consciousness. I mostly women, but can I stand up too? I lost a lot. My heart's been broken. Stand up there. Just make it gender neutral. Make it male.
You're going to receive from your Father. You're going to receive His goodness. And I want you to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance, and then I'm going to lead you into a prayer of receiving and a prayer of empowerment. So Lord, right now, you say with me, Father, right now, I release to you this pain. And I, you don't have to say it out to everybody else. You can say it in your heart. You can whisper it quietly. He speaks all languages of the world. They were his ideas. So he hears everything. Even if you're talking in your head. And he knows the sincerity that's behind whatever you say. He's keenly attentive. He sees all things. So, Father, right now we give that to you. We give it to you. And we repent. I want you to say it with your words of your mouth when you speak it forth because there's power in speaking forth things. Life came forth, the stars were spread, the world was formed by speaking into existence. So I just want you to speak right now, Father. So say that after me. Right now, Father, I repent of receiving this falsity in my life. I repent of thinking whatever I thought, and you know what you thought, that God wasn't good, that he wasn't kind, that he wasn't tender, that he wasn't fair, that he wasn't generous, that he didn't lavish it, that he thought that he didn't see it. I want you to repent for believing that about the Lord. There's no condemnation and there's no judgment in that. It's just acknowledging I believe something that wasn't true. I let something go into my heart, Father, and it's just not what you wanted. There's a seed, and I just gotta get it out. And all this weird stuff you knew about me, and our relationship, I renounce that right now, Lord. I repent it's not true with you, Lord. So I just want you to kneel with him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to them. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So kind, so gentle. No words of shame, no words of guilt, no words of condemnation. There's no Hurt, wounded, bruised, 
and I release over them the Father gifts from heaven. You are the perfect gift giver you gave yourself in your perfect And you are the delight in us. We are your beloved. We are the treasure of your heart. We are your heartbeats. We are the desire of you. You are hungry for us. So there's nobody that is a better lover, husband, wife, father, mother, friend, uh, whatever it is that we need, Lord, there's nobody that's like you. So, Father, I speak over them to have a visitation with you of a gift. That you would begin to manifest in their life a treasure, whatever it is, you begin to highlight to them, this is my gift to you. I did something for you that day, and I cleansed you in that way, and I set you free. That's my gift, and you want to go forward in freshness of life. Today is your day. Today is Kairos. Today is now. God doesn't have to say now. He says the Lord speaks. But sometimes he says now the Lord speaks. So now is your priority to go free. I release empowerment over these people. I release new chapters to flourish. I release new creative impulses to come forth. I release change to come forth in your life. Experience that they have never encountered Sorry, I'm so late. Um, you have been empowered with gender neutral, age neutral power. So I want you to stand with me. The mark this where you you can mark at the end of mark. You don't have to put it back up. I want you to declare a prayer. I want you to take a picture. And I want you to save it if you can. I want you to speak it over your life for the next week. Uh, just so we can read, if you want to go more, that's further, but I want you to read it over and over, over slide. yourself. Um, you have been given power to raise the dead, cast out the devils, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and um, uh, get it all forth. You've been given all of that and so much more. You can minister fully. You have been given all of it. It is yours. You are no longer, you've been made a priest and a minister in Christ. You have great things to manifest. So stand with me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to um, have her to do this declarative prayer together. I'll read it, I'll read the first line in you in a second. Uh, you can say I'm a daughter or a son. I am the daughter of the King of Kings. I am the daughter of the King of Kings. My nature is his nature. My nature is nature. I am empowered by his spirit. I am empowered by his spirit. There is no false belief system. There is no false belief system. Cultural restraint, real or falsely perceived, by me that due to his power does not triumph over. Let's read it together. I have been given keys to a kingdom. That due to his power opens every door. Place of dwelling, path, regional authority, that I might be for being more than an overcomer. Life. I have the authority of Christ in this life. I have been called to kingdom purpose in my life. With my motherhood, my singleness, or my singleness, and life with or without children, I have the capacity to multiply, be a life giver, generate life, amplify every facet, chapter, season that I step into. I reflect kingdom purpose in my job and all my relationships. Every word of wisdom, 
create a strategy, plan, dream, and vision for my life has already been made available to me in Christ Jesus. Because I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Jesus is my liberator, emancipator, validator, and the fulfillment of all the promises that are for me. Not everybody else has prayed. He has commissioned me to prophesy, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. That means you can do great things for him. You are highly esteemed, you are highly valued, and you are highly treasured. And God has something for every single one of you in this room if you would step out for it. And, all right?